and welcome to Myth, Magic and Memory, the podcast where we help you to learn Greek myths by walking around your own neighbourhood. Did you know you can remember things more easily if you associate them with places or objects? Appropriately, this method of memorising information was first documented by the ancient Greeks and has been used in many societies around the world ever since. As you walk around your house or neighbourhood or even a fictional place in your head, you can assign memories or stories to the things you pass. Then, when you want to remember the myth, you can simply walk the route again, in person or in your imagination. This is the idea behind myth, magic and memory. Listen to this podcast as you're moving through a space. Whether it's your home, your neighbourhood or a magical kingdom in your imagination, it's up to you. We will tell you a story from Greek mythology and we'll help you find some landmarks as you go along. We'll pause at each landmark so that you can focus on associating that place or object with a specific part of the story. Each time we mention a landmark, you'll hear this tone. Feel free to pause the podcast while you find an appropriate object. Soon, you'll be able to wow your friends with your knowledge of Greek myth. One small disclaimer for you. There are lots of different versions of each Greek myth, as they were adapted and repeated many times over before they were ever written down. We've selected our favourite parts of different versions, but feel free to disagree with us if you prefer another version. Keep an eye out for the episodes dropping in your podcast feed soon. And remember, you can always give us feedback or have a chat with us in our Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. This episode tells the myth of Sisyphus. The key characters of the story are Sisyphus and his wife, the king of the gods, Zeus, the god of death, Thanatos, the king and queen of the underworld, Hades and Persephone, the ferryman of the underworld, Charon, and various other gods, including Hermes, Hera, Ares, and Dionysus. Sisyphus was king of Ephora, later called Corinth, However, he was a corrupt and cheating king. He overtaxed his people, stole treasures from visitors, and generally ignored all Zeus's sacred rules of hospitality. Despite his royal blood, Zeus had decided that Sisyphus deserved a fate worse than a common death. So, at the end of his life, Zeus sent Thanatos, death himself, to collect Sisyphus. Thanatos's robes are as black as death itself. What can you see around you that's black? The darkest thing you can find. It could be a black front door or a roof. That will be your symbol for Thanatos. One night, Thanatos appeared before Sisyphus in his long black cloak with the gases of the underworld still streaming off him and reached out towards Sisyphus. Normally, as soon as Thanatos touched someone, the life drains out of them and they collapse at his feet. Thanatos quite enjoyed this spectacle, and as the human collapsed, he would lock up their soul and carry it away to the underworld. However, Sisyphus was a light sleeper. As soon as Thanatos appeared in his dark room, ghostly spectacle and all, Sisyphus awoke. Unafraid and thinking quickly as always, he challenged Thanatos. Who the hell are you? Thanatos tried to keep up the scary charade. But Sisyphus seemed unbothered and utterly unfazed by his imminent death. Somewhat thrown off, Thanatos brought out his manacles and shook them menacingly at Sisyphus. What can you see that's made of iron? 
maybe a fence or a gate that looks like it would rattle menacingly. What would the gods' manacles sound and look like, being shaken before your very eyes in the dead of night? But Thanatos still didn't get the desired reaction from Sisyphus. Instead, Sisyphus mocked the manacles, asking what they were made of and what made them so great. Thanatos explained that they were forged by Hephaestus, smith to the gods, and enchanted by Hades, so that whomever was bound by the manacles could only be released by Hades himself. Sisyphus still didn't seem afraid. If anything, he didn't seem to believe that they would work. After all, he couldn't even see a catch on them. Thanatos explained that this was because the magical mechanism was too fine to be seen by a mortal. But Sisyphus still disagreed, challenging Thanatos that they wouldn't even close around his own skinny arm. Angered, Thanatos snapped the manacle around his own arm to prove his point. See, it goes around my back, then I bring my wrists together and close up the bracelets. Then you just press on this point to engage the clasp and ta-da, they're locked. Can you see any locks around you? Perhaps on a gate or a big shiny front door handle? Locks come in all shapes and sizes in the human world, but none are as strong as that of the manacles of Thanatos. Only now did Sisyphus appear impressed. However, Thanatos had encountered a new problem. He'd unwittingly locked himself into the manacles. Sisyphus, of course, was not of a mind to help. Instead, he opened up his wardrobe and pushed Thanatos inside. Then he turned the very human lock and left him in there. So Thanatos was now stuck in Sisyphus's wardrobe. No one noticed for a few days, but also no one died. What's the most alive thing you can see? Perhaps a tree that's sprouting new growth, or a bush covered in fruit. This will represent life. Life was everywhere at this time. The whole world was flourishing without the presence of death. Zeus and Hermes had not thought to check whether Sisyphus had made it to the underworld, and life went on as normal until someone commented that no one knew had appeared in the underworld for a few days. Also, no one had seen Thanatos lately. It was very strange. Despite the many search parties, they couldn't find Thanatos anywhere. The gods had different reactions to this. Dionysus found it hilarious while Hera and Zeus were quite indignant about their authority being flouted in this way. Hermes was especially anxious, as running the underworld was part of his job. But Ares was really furious. He was the god of war, but wars were no fun anymore. People could stab each other as much as they liked, and no one died. No one could win or lose, and battles would just never end. Eventually, Zeus and Hera decided that they should probably do something about this. They started asking around to see where Thanatos had last been seen. Lo and behold, they realised that Hermes was the last to see him, right before he went to Corinth to collect Sisyphus. Can you see anything around you that looks like wings? Perhaps some fluttering leaves or birds in a nest? These will represent the wings on the sides of Hermes' sandals, which allow him to fly around the world at incredible speed. Using his winged sandals, Hermes flew down to the underworld and found that Sisyphus had never arrived. This was very suspicious. So he flew over to Corinth to Sisyphus' house and sure enough found Thanatos locked in his closet. Hermes brought him down to the underworld where Hades freed him from the magical manacles. 
By now, Thanatos was fuming, and his first priority was to track Sisyphus down and bring him to the underworld where he belonged. But meanwhile, Sisyphus was laying even more plans. Knowing that Thanatos would eventually escape, he started planning for his return. He told his wife that he suspected that he would die soon, and asked her to take certain steps after his death. Now, normally, when a person dies, their family will wash their body, place a coin on their tongue to pay Charon, stand guard over the corpse, and burn offerings to Hades and Persephone, the king and queen of the underworld. Look around you for something gold. It could be the numbers on someone's house, or a gold letterbox, or even a front door handle. This will represent the gold coin that should be placed on the corpse's tongue. However... Sisyphus asked that his wife specifically do the opposite. He said that his final wish was that no matter what, she takes no steps to help him reach the underworld and instead treat his remains like those of a dog. He even made her swear it on her own soul. Sure enough, that night, Thanatos appeared again before Sisyphus. This time, he made no attempt to thwart the god and put his wrists together meekly for shackling. The two glided down to the underworld together, where Thanatos left Sisyphus to catch Charon's boat across the River Styx. Can you see anything that might represent the River Styx? It could be a gutter, even if it's dry today, or a pipe or drain leading into the unknown. Charon pulled up to the bank and Sisyphus got on board. As they pushed away from the edge, Charon held out his hand for payment, but Sisyphus, of course, had no coin to pay him as his wife had not given him one. Charon immediately pushed Sisyphus overboard. The coldness of the water stung and blistered Sisyphus's skin, but he managed to swim across to the far side and clamber out, covered in grime and looking appropriately terrible. He asked one of the passing shades, also known as dead souls, for directions and eventually found his way to the throne room. Did there happen to be any chairs on nearby verandas? or maybe a bench in a park or at a bus stop. Even just a wall that someone could sit on would do. Just use your imagination to turn it into the throne of Hades. By this point, Sisyphus was naked, an ear was torn off, and his body was covered in bruises, cuts and welts, a result of his physical counterpart's mistreatment in the world above, as his wife had obediently left his body out like one of the dogs. There, he presented before Persephone in his pathetic state. He requested an audience with Hades, but apparently he was away in Tartarus that day. Instead, Sisyphus stood before Persephone and explained his sorry physical state to her. He said that his wife was wicked and impious, that she chose to disrespect the gods of the underworld and leave his body out for the dogs to eat. He said that she roasted the heifers that he kept for sacrificing to Hades and Persephone and had a feast instead. Persephone was outraged. How dare some human be so disrespectful? She immediately decided that this woman must be punished and said so. Sisyphus saw this response and suggested that as punishment, Persephone should return him to the upper world alive and he would make sure that his wife paid for her disrespect every day for the rest of their lives. He promised to make sure she had no gold or feasting and that she would be enslaved to him and be miserable. Persephone smiled at the thought 
and in an instant made it happen. Sisyphus was led back out of the underworld, and he and his delighted queen lived happily ever after. However, eventually, Sisyphus did have to die. For real, this time. Once again, try to find something black. Preferably something different from last time. It could be a black fence, a black letterbox, or a black pole. A deep black for death. Sisyphus's final death. After 50 more years of life, Sisyphus's wife died, thus ending his agreement with Persephone and satisfying her lust for revenge. For one final time, Sisyphus was conducted down to the underworld by Thanatos. He paid his coin to Chiron to cross the river Styx, and Hermes came down to meet him. Hermes congratulated Sisyphus on having avoided death so many times and offered him a final chance at immortality. Hermes showed Sisyphus to a large ramp, at the top of which Sisyphus could see an opening where light was coming through. At the bottom was a large boulder. Hermes explained that all Sisyphus would have to do is roll the boulder up the ramp. When he reached the top, the door would open and Sisyphus could climb out and live forever as an immortal. Are there any big rocks around you? Preferably not just gravel-sized, something with a bit of heft to it. It could be a brick or even a chunk of stone that was used to build a sandstone house. Alternatively, Sisyphus could choose to go to Elysium and live out eternity in peace with the souls of the virtuous. But whichever he chose, he would have to do it forever. Well, as we all know, Sisyphus chose the boulder. He thought it looked achievable. Heavy, but within his abilities. And the slope was steep, but not impossible. Yet every time he got close to the top, the boulder just slipped out of his grip and he had to start again. And he's still there, rolling that boulder up the hill for the rest of eternity. On the one hand, this is his punishment for defying the gods. But on the other hand, Sisyphus is also a demonstration of human perseverance and determination. Thank you for listening to this episode of Myth, Magic and Memory. If you have any photos or thoughts that you'd like to share with us, please jump in the Facebook group by clicking the link in the show notes. Make sure you also check out our other episodes. This podcast was produced for the Adelaide University Union by Alex Mader and presented by me, Alana Melville. Many thanks to Alyssa Mason and Matthew Green for their support with this project. Happy walking! <laughs>